so like obviously you obviously have more more um, engagement with you know other races, especially white people in general. But the fact that you have perfect big time professional athletes like Damian Lillard, like um, you know you know Damian Lillard, Jalen Brown, Malcolm Brogdon, players and players that people know when you turn on the TV, you know who they are. And you look at them as just a basketball player, but now they're utilizing their platform to protest and to show that, hey, I'm here for this change as well. And for them to actually have that time to show their faces in those protests, when quite frankly, when their other protests took place, they could not, either for whatever reason, they were not fully out in the forefront of it. I think that also speaks volume too. And mm-hmm. but, but at the end of the day, a lot of it is all personal decisions because Everyone has their own agenda they want to get done across, but it doesn't always work for everybody in the same way that each protester wants it to work. So that's where the, the, the line is drawn sometimes. It's figuring out what fits you and what fits you best uh, when, when these type of situations come up, come up, come up and And people know. have their own experiences too. Like, yeah. like you had Shannon Brown out on the west side. He was a part, he was uh, at marches and stuff like that. And we obviously know what his situation was, what this story was from that incident with the police up in Milwaukee. So it, it for me, it, to see him out there, it, 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 it resonates because we know that he's been a victim of police harassment. So if you're a person who doesn't necessarily have that background or something like that, if you're just a black man, of course we can use your utilize your space. Uh, your split your platform, I should say, your your voice, your you know whatever efforts you want to make representatively, but you don't necessarily have to risk your career to be out there, and you know, you know even if you're a LeBron, and I'm glad that like Josh, like you said, you mentioned so many other names of brothers that's been active in the past few weeks, and I like that. I like that is more players out there who are stepping up and being a part of you know, what the community wants and needs. And it's not just LeBron taking slings and arrows at him and being just the one guy who, when people say, oh, the NBA is uh, protesting or there's a voice coming out of the NBA. You know, it, it doesn't have to just be him. It's, it's showing that there's a depth to what these players think and feel that, you know, that hasn't previously been expressed and that they're, they're more of them in numbers than we have even imagined before. Three, two. All right. What's that click on me? Yes, sir. Back at it. We've resurrected. Because the job, the tribe said the job of resurrectors is to wake up the dead. So that's what we're doing tonight here. We're running with war. You hear that? You hear that sound coming? That's the train coming, man. That's the train of thought. I don't know how many more rap albums I'm gonna reference before I get <laughs> get through this intro, but yeah, no, this is it, man. If you heard us before, you're hearing us again. Josh Hicks, Chris Pettit, and your man Kyle Means, editor director, we are Regal Radio. Dot com war media the empire rising and we are here to talk basketball because it's getting back to be a time where it makes sense for us to talk about basketball so uh you know 
that's that's what we're here for. That's what we're doing, and we're here on this wonderful new platform called uh, Streamyard, and we're streaming directly into our new, well, new oldish YouTube page. We haven't made much use of it so far, but we're going to going forward. And this is one of the things you can see on that page. Uh, just us talking, streaming, our beautiful faces. Uh, about two and a half shades of brown you can see on the screen. And, uh, you know, we just showing love. It's all about Black Lives Matter, y'all. And it's all about Regal Radio and how we showcase black thought and black thinkers, black opinions, black beliefs, everything. That's what we've been doing, and that's what we're going to keep on doing. So, you know, guys, glad to have you on with me and back at it here, uh, you know, doing our thing, man. So how y'all guys doing? Gone too long, my brother. We've been gone too long. I miss running with War podcast that we've been doing, man. We've been, we've been doing great with the NBA season and everything, but obviously we had to go into a little bit of a hiatus with everything going on, but... It feels good to bring this thing back, and I, especially with my man Chris. Chris has been a while, and all y'all looking good. Alan here with the super Chris haircut. That line is. I had to get it back on him, man. I had to get it back on him. I, I was looking like uh, Captain Caveman for a minute, man. But I, you know, I I had to get it back. I got a. This was a free haircut too, so I Ooh, I ain't even gonna put. I ain't gonna put all y'all on game. I put my brothers on the game afterwards, but I, all y'all, if you don't know me, you got to, you know, you got to pay. I, I, I pimp the game out for pay, not for play. So that's all I got to say. But no, nah, yeah, I, I'm glad. I, I got I needed this haircut, man. I, I feel good about it. So hopefully, by the time I need another one, everything. You still probably would have to wear a mask when you get get cut, but you know, hey, that's just the cost of doing business right now. So, but thank you for highlighting that, Josh. But but Chris, you know, yeah, it's good to see your smiling face. And um, hey, I, y'all don't even have, so I don't ask me about that. <laughs> hey man, hey, you, you you doing your? If you gotta hide it, hide it. You know, you you gotta really, you gotta show it on your time. You gotta be like Bomani Jones. You can't show the hairline until you're ready to show it. You know. Did y'all see his hairline? You ain't you ain't see him reveal his hair. You better go to YouTube and and it's probably all up and down. His I mean not YouTube, but Twitter. Go to Twitter and look at his huh. He's taking the moonwalk. Oh man, somebody put his picture next to Marvin Gaye at the '83 All Star Game. You know what I'm talking about? We saying the Star Spangled Banner. Oh, it was wow. a dead. It was a dead ringer. <laughs> it was a dead ringer, man. He was. He, it's a throwback look. I, I'm lucky, man. I don't. I'm. I'm on the. I'm on the wrong side of 35, and my hairline still is pretty decent. So I'm. I thank the Lord for that. If anything, nothing else. He really does look like Marvin. He said, "You see it. They be cloudy, dude, man. They be cloudy, dude. He got a high self-esteem, though, so I'm, I'm sure he's okay. But that was they been getting some jokes off. He that's that was that was great to see. That was great to see. 
Because when you look at so many old players talking about basketball, like World Be Free and like these late 70s, early 80s brothers, that was sort of a go-to design for them. They had receding hairlines, but they didn't they didn't shave. Nobody really shaved until Mike. So, you know, I don't know what y'all, if y'all got any thoughts about that. I think, because I was, um, my guys were talking about the Tyson biopic that, that uh, made the news. JB, yeah, with J.B. Fox, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about boxers that we would like to see since there's been so much about Mike. And we ta- we, we brought up Jack Johnson. And I, don't, I don't know if Jack Johnson shaved his head down, but... I mean, he was out there with the close crop cut at the very least. So, yeah. you know, it, like you say, like guys weren't really doing the ball thing completely until um, probably Slick Watts. I know Slick Watts had the had the headband, but until until Mike Mike made it real popular. Right. Yeah, he popularized it. Slick Watts. That's a he's an old pacer, one. He was on the Pacers. Yeah. He, I think he won the title with the Sonics in '79. Yeah. Okay. That's a throwback. Uh, that's, a, that's a watch reference. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's that's a good. But see, you were you a real basketball head though to come up with something like that. But Jack Johnson, I'm thinking 120 years ago to shave your head regularly, that might have been some pain involved in that man. Yeah, for real, man. Because you had to use the. Uh, you have to use the straight razor for that. Hell yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, that's you know maybe we we got maybe we should have a segment sometime where we talk about great hairdos in the NBA because there's been quite a few different styles. We talk about baldies and braids and afros and whatever the hell Andrew Bynum did when he had that Beatles look or whatever, you know. <laughs> There's been a lot of dudes that had some weird hand to leave. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah. But let, let's let's get let's get into some talk with what's going on right now with the league, and you know what uh, you know what is proposed to to be happening by the end of this coming month, this next month, July, the players, the 22 teams, uh, you know, playoff competitors, you know, there'll be a playing. There'll be some sort of playing type situation where the the last spots in each on each side will be figured out, and then they'll play out the playoffs, and um, they're doing it all on the campus of the the uh, uh, Wide World of Sports, ESPN, Disney, of course, uh, you know, corporate ESPN, a, a corporate uh, entity of Disney and everything. So, you know, it's it's all convenient. And when you look at it from the from the top, you know, from the outside looking in, a lot of it looks convenient. Uh, I advise you guys to check out our guy Drew. He wrote a, uh, uh, you know, Drew wrote a pretty uh, stringent article column on on this situation. Uh, that's available now on WeAreRegalRadio.com. But uh, you know, there's still a, you know, there's still a lot to worry about given this the situation that we're in right now where you look across the southern half of the United States, the Sun Belt as they call it, and in Florida in particular, which is a, a subtropical climate, especially at especially at this time of the year, but there, you know, there there's no 
the the case and they've also been very open with the way that they've done business down there they haven't restricted things as much as much of the rest of the country has so they still have quite a few uh cases of COVID-19 that are popping up there day after day deaths day after day and we're seeing and hearing every day uh athletes from different sports soccer we uh, we've seen it uh, baseball. We've seen it basketball, where teams have are reporting that their players are coming down sick. There's whole teams that uh, Chris brought up before we got on. Uh, a, a women's soccer team has declined participating in that in that league's cup, the uh, the North American Soccer League, you know, Challenge cup. cup that they're having to to I guess to in lieu of their season that they would be engaging in now. They have a challenge cup, and that Orlando team down there is is not competing in it because of the numbers of uh, cases they've had. So, the first thing I bring to y'all with the NBA and the WNBA, we can't forget both having plans to commune together and try to salvage their seasons in Florida. You know what does what type of idea do you think that is off top, and do you think that it can all that it can come together in any way for, for either of these leagues to succeed and put on the games that they want to put on? That's a, that's a solid question to ask, Kyle. What kind of idea is it? It's a bad one. It was a bad one before. It's a bad one now. And it's going to be a bad one in a couple months. And honestly, I, I'm not trying to push it to the side. I want, the, I want sports to come back at some point. I'm a sports fan, even though the things going on right now make me think that sports should be, could be pushed off to the side. We should take a back seat or just so everybody doesn't get distracted. And that's the, the public, not the players so much. But Florida, like you said, has been the epicenter of some, can we, can we swear up here? Can I, can I speak? You say what you want, man. The governor has been on bullshit since the election. No matter whatever happened with Andrew Gillum afterwards, Ron DeSantis was on some bullshit then. He is a Trump surrogate. He is a Trump ass kisser. And he's going to do things his way, which is to say the absolute wrong way. So they've been they've had Florida pretty much open since my birthday on June 5th. And I was just reading an article that I think the cases have spiked um, in at least one county in Florida. I think they said the Tampa Bay, Pendellas County, are up like 280% since that point in time. Um, they went from an average of like 19 or 20 cases a day to 76. And that's just new cases. That's Those are the people, as always, it's the people who are getting tested. I haven't gotten tested yet, partially because I don't have a general practitioner, and partially because I don't want a, a long stick jammed up my nose. Mm. So think about all the people who haven't gotten tested yet who have this virus. And this is where the sports want to hold their their seasons. And it's a short season. We were going to have a, our guest on today. And she made the point of saying a 22-game season is not really enough. She wasn't talking about coronavirus necessarily. But you got these seasons cutting their – you got these leagues cutting their season in half, in a third. What's the point? I don't, I don't see the point of it in terms of making a, a few bucks, putting your players – marquee player, whether they're marquee players or the guys who just drive the league by putting their time in, I don't see the point in, in putting them in jeopardy. 
But I, I agree, and I'm starting to agree with that, uh, Josh. I'll let you get in in a second. But I think uh, what it what it comes down to, is there's a lot of revenue that's potential to be lost, but it's not backbreaking revenue, and especially if if the league shares it with the players. You know, the league, of course, and the owners, they want they want all the money they can get, of course. And, and you know, I can't fault them for that. But if they take on losses as well as the players, then you're talking about a shared situation where the league can can go forward in good faith. And, you know, and that's you know that's with any league. That's baseball too. It, you know, they've been fighting so much, but they haven't been acting in good faith. But anyway, but if you if you have something like that where you just take the L, we've seen it with other sports already this year where they've had for the first time or or in the first time in a long time. They've they haven't had certain mo- certain events. Well, if you take that loss as a as a as a complete entity, then that's there's nothing wrong with that. And if you tell you if you tell your fandom that we'll be back in 2021, and you know they'll wait. But if you if you're acting funny style and you and you got pinching pennies or whatever, and trying to you know trying to get a get around the players or whatever, doing something, then I think that's where the public is going to look at this sport and see, well, you guys, you guys are, are putting this off for no reason. We, why should we invest our time and our and our emotions in you guys? And you can't even figure out a way to bring us these games at this point where we could, we we we, we really could could use them. We could, we would love to see how these games would play out and how the season could be finished, in particular with the NBA, but there are bigger issues that are at hand, more universal issues. And with the players, that there's the issue in particular, and I want you to get into this, Josh, about where the, the role that the league should, has, should have in this situation where much of the nation is in an uproar. There's protests day after day, week after week, in our major metropolitan areas. Black people in particular want certain things to come about in this nation that we feel haven't come about throughout its entire history. We're fighting for rights, uh, human rights. And there are a lot of players in the league who are, you know, they're sympathetic to that to that uh, plight, they're sympathetic to that fight, and they want to be active in it. So you have Kyrie Irving and uh, Dwight Howard who – know most noticeably have called on players to give to thought about maybe not coming back this season because they want to possibly put their efforts into the movement instead of playing games that they feel aren't necessary to play so josh in your thoughts what you know what are your thoughts about that discussion that's being had and that dichotomy that you know that tug of war, essentially emotionally, that these players may have right now between wanting to represent, be on the front lines, but also wanting to take care of their industry, of their game, the NBA, and not wanting to lose out, of course, on money that's on the table. There's a price to being black in America, and especially as black men in America. And if you are an athlete with a huge platform, you have tripled your responsibility of handling the role of being a successful black man in America. Because when you have some, when you have average, you consider average or normal people like us, 
that look up to certain athletes because of the platform that they have, we expect them to speak for us while we also speak for ourselves. Our voices are magnified when athletes take on that extra activist role and expand it to a, to a level to where the, the people that be that have to hear us, they're forced to hear us because now their top products or their top people that they, they, the society loves has to listen to what those athletes have to say. That, that, that's what makes the role of an athlete so unique. That being said, it, as an athlete, I think it's important that you not just utilize the platform that you have to speak out for others, especially the ones that are socially disadvantaged, but at the same time, maintain your platform so that way you don't deviate from what you originally was founded on. I mean, if you if you were an athlete, or some, for some people, if they weren't athletes, they may not have the same power and the voice to speak for others for others, um, unless they were athletes. So I think we have to find a way to, to, to combine both. Play your, play your game, play your sport, because that's what helps you create the brand that you are. But then utilize the brand to promote the disadvantages and the social ad, social injustices that's going on within America. That's, you have to have you have the best of both worlds. And that you should not leave one of them to cater to another. You should be able to utilize both. We've, done, we've been doing that in history for years. Plenty of people have, have had certain jobs that you know you operate on the job. But if you have a chance to utilize your platform within that job, you promote, you promote your beliefs. It's happened in the civil rights movement. It's happened within sports. Even going back to um, the summit when you had Bill Russell and Jim Brown and um, Kareem and all those athletes that actually were still playing sports at the time, but utilized their platforms in society to protest. Like you mentioned, Muhammad Ali. That's what actually, I think that's what actually helped them move the movements as, as within the way that they did, because they utilized their platforms, especially from an athletic perspective, where they know they can gain the biggest audience as possible because they're revered as such high people in power to utilize that for change. And this is a prime example for athletes to utilize that, especially since at this point, like you said, the world is on pause. Not, the pandemic gets hit, and unfortunately within our economic system, there's unemployment, not a lot of people are working, and you can't do much. You can't go outside of your quarantine bubble often. All you can do is sit there, for the most part, and pay attention to something that gets you interaction, which in this point is technology, which is TV, which is the different things that we pay attention to, social media. We pay we pay attention to that, have to pay attention to that a lot more than we normally would because of this unfortunate circumstances. So utilize that platform. You, I, I, it, it makes sense to not only, to, to it, it makes sense to utilize both. If you can't utilize both, then that's a personal decision you would have to make as far as which route you should go. Just like any any decision. Not, but we also have to keep in mind as well, just because you are an athlete does not make you an activist. Like yeah. being an activist and an athlete are two separate entities that only really good people can combine to make one and be comfortable in combining those entities to make one big entity. And not every athlete can do that. Can Kyrie be that person? Can White Howard be that person? Yeah, we could think we think they can, but maybe they can't. And they kind of been outspoken about the fact that they can't because they rather focus on social justice. Then basketball right now. You have WNBA players that are doing that. With my, that, have, that are doing it and have done it. Brian Moore's doing it. 
We have uh, Natasha Cloud from the Misses that just recently said, I'm going to sit out my season to, to promote and do what I can within the community with social, with, with social injustices. Some people don't, may, may not feel comfortable in combining both roles, whatever the circumstances may be. So we have to also keep that in mind. Even though we, I believe that they can, not everyone is not always fit to take on that huge responsibility like that. Yeah, uh, I want to rejoin just on a, a, a couple things Josh said, and I think he's right in a lot of the senses. Some people just can't, you know, even as humans who can do so much, some people don't have the capacity to focus, to split their focus or focus on those two things at once. Um, you know, you've seen it with LeBron. LeBron has taken on that challenge very gamely. You know, he has probably the most power over his profile and brand that we've seen of, of any athlete uh, since Jordan, and he's used it in a socially act, in a social, in a way for uh, constructive social criticism and advancement in a way that few athletes do, that we can think of at least that, that come to mind in this country. But I think the one point I think about the summit that you mentioned when, um, Jim Brown and Kareem and Ali got together is that they said that they, they wanted athletes to sit out. That was the thing in the OJ documentary. They wanted athletes to sit out the Olympics yeah. uh, specifically because it was 1968 and unrest was happening all over the country after the death of Martin Luther King and Robert F. Kennedy. Right. So it was, it was specific that they wanted, I think, to make that statement by saying we're not going to play sports, sports doesn't have a place right now. And I think, and I, I can't say, it. I have to go, I would have to go back and read, but they wanted to make it plain that they felt speaking on these issues and basically striking was more important than playing and kind of using that platform. Because they knew, I think, if you look at it, they knew people are going to focus on them, especially that was back then. You know, these were those were top tier athletes and icons and entertainment figures back then, when the entertainment complex was not nearly what it is now. Now, even when it's not in season, we still are wondering what LeBron is doing, what Kyrie's doing, what Kevin Durant is doing. Yeah. They're celebrities in general, yeah. Exactly. We want to know what they're doing. We want to see what they're doing inside their lives, off the field, off the court. So. You know, with the CBA aside, honestly, especially in the NBA, if you look at it, players have so much power. The owners aren't powerless, but players have so much power and have historically had so much power in that league in the context of its lifespan, which is only about 60, 70, almost almost 80 years now that the NBA has been active in its current as, as, a, as a league, as a professional organization. They could ostensibly to a man, get up and say, we are in an unprecedented time in terms of health with this pandemic. We are in an unprecedented time of social upheaval with these protests. And we want to make it plain that we think these issues are more important than us playing right now, especially now. Right. And I think if they walked out, the owners, could they would have some recourse, but... Who are they? What are they going to do? Nobody comes to the game to see the owners, except for maybe Mark Cuban and Steve Ballmer. They come to see the players. So if fans would have, would have to be driven to a point to say, 
well, if they're not coming back, then either we're, we're not watching any more basketball or we're with these guys. But there's a couple of things, and I, I I feel a lot what you say there. There's a couple of things. And I'll start with the um, what can be done, what can the owners do. The owners can actually throw out the, the current CBA if, they, if the players as uniformly didn't come back. And that would mean that you would have a renegotiation that would be on the table, a lockout, a likely lockout from the owners going into 2021. And that would be something that could really damage the sport. And with that said, I think at this point in, in history, and especially, you know, considering the NBA already, the the culture that most NBA people have about the uh, people who call themselves you know, hoop heads or whatever, NBA fans, professional basketball fans in particular, because you got people who prefer college football to pro, uh, college basketball to pro basketball, and they're kind of iffy. But but pro basketball fans in general, I think, lean towards more of a a progressive, liberal idea for the masses, the most part. But so I think they would back the players and if they had to, if they – got into it with the owners in this way. But at the same time, that support, I don't know how much that would mean to negotiations like that. You know, the players would still be, I think, at a disadvantage because, again, like I said earlier, the players, if they didn't play, if they chose not to play this year, it would sort of be them not acting in good faith in the way that the owners would want. So there would be an argument for that that would sort of stay in the players, but. When you take money out of people's pockets, just the same way that these protests have gotten something done. When people said, we're tired of this. These stores don't belong to us. These businesses don't belong to us. They don't serve us. And just, and you know, even if it wasn't that, just that general outpouring of anger that was so palpable. Hmm. This is that to a smaller degree. If guys say, we are so upset we are so distraught. We are so angry at what's going on. And I'm, I'm saying, guys, I apologize. Players, people, if they say that, people are going to have to take notice. They won't have a choice. And the labor agreement is in place. I can't argue that. But I don't see how the owners would be able to come back and say, we're going to, like, stiff you on everything we possibly can. How would they be able to field a league? How would they be able to hold a, a professional organization if they do that. We know that they, they that most of them want to. Most of them want to keep the money in their pockets, but if they're crying poor now, you know, how would it feel to be able to, to, to not have their employees um, making them more money? It just, I think there, I just think there's something there, and I really wish that people would, I really wish that people who have more of an ability to do it would do it. Like, we, we talk about Maya Moore. Maya Moore walked away from a healthy check yeah. But that's in the context of the WNBA. You know, if you have guys who are making millions upon millions say that this is more important to them, people are going to stand up and take notice even more. And it, it kind of it kind of bugs me that women's basketball players who already are behind the eight ball are the ones who are most willing to stand up and say, this is more important to me. And not, that's not to dis, dismiss Kyrie and, and Dwight and the other players, but, but you, I feel like you see more of them who are standing up and saying, can't do this, then you see him from the men's side. That's that's a valid. Uh, uh, give me a second, John. That's a valid statement to make, Chris. And, 
And I think it's something to be said for that sacrifice that WNBA players are seen to be more willing to take than than NBA players. And um, how's that? A couple other things I was thinking about, but you know, Josh, uh, you know, go ahead. What you want to go to, Josh? I see if I pick back up with my other thoughts. No, I was going to say, Christian, they're very good points, but. It goes back to the idea of personal choice because yeah. um, at the end of the day, circumstances are completely different between the WNBA and the NBA. NBA has a lot more TV deals. They generate a lot more money. They deal with ownerships that have a lot more money than most WNBA owners. So, and, you know, and, the seat, and as far as a game perspective, WNBA are only playing 22 games with a playoff. That's relatively short. The NBA right. is still trying to play a whole at least 10, 10 games before they even have a 22-plus game playoff, depending on what it is. So the circumstances are unfortunately different. And you're, and as far as your point, as far as the, um, players with millions and millions of dollars willing to speak out against that, that's where Kyrie steps in because he has been one of those people that is making that top-tier type of dollar and still saying, if I, and it's still saying, you know, if you wanted to make that choice where he can give up basketball to go – support and protest, and by all means he would, you know, that speaks volume. That really does. And I think he unfortunately got back a lot of backlash for it. But that's something we should really commend Kyrie for because he's willing to do what Maya Moore did. He's willing to do what Natasha Cloud is, is willing to do, to give up that that game that, that that gave him his life for the most part, that gave him an extra, a life that that many people dream of, to willing to be willing to give that up to fight for it social justice, but at the end of the day, everything's a personal choice. If you feel like you can do both, then by all means do both. But the, what one thing the NBA has been good with is they're giving they're giving them that outlet. They are saying, hey, if you want to play, if you want, you don't have to play. If you give you a deadline to let us know, but you don't have to play. You can sit up this season and, and come back next year. I don't know how it works contract-wise, but at least one thing with the NBA is they have commended athletes to if they want to really pursue that route, but always pursue that route, even though they know, depending on the people, it could make an impact positively or negatively on the actual product itself. Well, in Kyrie's situation, for one, it wouldn't, I don't think it would negatively affect him if he sat out. Because, for one, that Nets team sort of played just as good without him. Uh, this year as they played with them. But that's getting into, you know, pure basketball stuff. But I don't think and, – and this is where I was wanting to go to off of Chris's last statement is that the owners – one thing – another thing that could be on the player's side is the owners in the NBA who does have a proven progressive leader in Adam Silver, they might not want to put themselves at a position where they see – like they're going against the movement where they're being, you know, uh, they're being uh, adversarial to the movement and to black men, which is a position that they could very well put themselves in if they were to be like, well, all right, let's throw the CBA out there. Since you played us on these 20 or so games, let's throw out the CBA and, and try to have a 60-40 split for revenue, you know. they I don't think they would want to do that, but – you know, we never you, – you can't put it past the white man for, on, on some things, you know. And uh, you never know. But I think the NBA, they could be – they could stand to be more civil in that way. And and looking at that situation 
that individual situation with Kyrie, the Nets would probably be cool with him, especially knowing that he wouldn't play even these games out with with uh, Durant anyway. They still have to wait another another season for Durant to come. So they may be like, well, go ahead and do what you want to do. Make your statements elsewhere as you want. Now, with that said, I will get. I wouldn't give Kyrie some credit, like you said, Josh. But I, I will reserve credit until he actually makes that step and leap out on his own, and not just be like, "Well, hey guys, if 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 you don't want me to do it, or if 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 I can't get these guys to do it with me, don't don't you don't you don't need a group of other guys to do it with you. If this is so important to you, do it yourself. Set that stand that example and that standard." that you want others to have, set it yourself. Don't just wait on a group to be able to do it with a group of others. Just do it. <laughs> you know, you're a Nike guy, just do it, you know? And and that's all I, that's that's what I'll say about him and Dwight and anyone who's like, well, you ain't a real brother if you don't believe that we should step out and we shouldn't sit. No, no, forget all that. Just do it, walk it like you talk it, like Kareem did, like Ali did, like the brothers of the past and did walk it like you talk. That's all I got to say. No, it's just, that's just you, you hit the nail on the problem. And at this point, I think we're getting tired of just thinking about these issues. Like, we've been going, we've been thinking issues ever since slavery hit. Like, this is what we've been speaking about for years. It's about action now. And it's about utilizing those platforms to create that action. That's why. People like LeBron are being so revered because he always put his money, put his mouth, money where his mouth is. He, he walked his talk. He's created the avenue to where you can create impact, whether it's legislation or the school, the I Promise school that he built. More than an athlete, um, now, recently now with more, more, more to vote. The new, the new voting platform that he's putting together. Like he's actually put his money where his mouth is. He's walked his talk, and that's what gives LeBron the credibility that he is. Besides. The power that he already gets from his branding and his other look and his willingness to speak out as an activist on, on social justice issues, especially outside of the NBA or, or even outside of professional sports. So, like you said, Ky- like if Kyrie wants to join that, he definitely can. And honestly, that's what we want at this point. That's what we want to see. We want action because I love protesting. I'm all about protesting, but protesting is supposed to lead up to something. What's your plan? And if you don't have a plan of action, you're not going to get much movement. So mm-hmm. I just think at this point, you need we need action plans. We need plans of action. And if Kyrie is the one that started that conversation to a point where maybe legislation can be put in place or at least finding a way to where he can be involved to help put that action, that plan of action into actual uh, fruition, hey, all props to him. We don't know, we don't know those inside outs that other people may have, but... At this point, it's about action. And once we see, like you said, Kyle, once we see that action, that's when we'll actually see the belief that, okay, this person is really going behind, going to do justice or fighting for that justice that we've been fight, continuing to fight for for all these years. And let it be known, I, and I think I can speak for you guys as, with this as well, we support the brothers no matter what. If they wanted to okay. shut the, the game down, if they felt that this was the time to do that, then I would support them on that too. But they got to be mindful of that. And it doesn't help the movement if, you know, 300 more black men become broke by the end of the year because they can't play ball no more. 
So, you know, just be mindful of every angle here. And, you know, like I said, if if, if individuals want to do this, if whether they all-stars or they role players at the back of the bench, go out and do what you feel you need to do. And, and I think before we go out, I want to give some more props to the WNBA. And, Chris, you could take – take a run on this if you want, but I I want to talk about what has it been, what, why in particular has the WNBA taken the lead with protesting and making public statements and making public sacrifices, like, like you said, with these players who have been willing to step away from, you know, the money. We know it's not NBA, not NBA money. WNBA money is a different beast. It's a much smaller beast. But they've been they've been willing to make these steps and to be to play this role, much like we see in in the real world, where women sometimes make sacrifices that we men don't even make in order to make to make everything better for all of us. And I think I I want to give props to that for one. But I, I, if if you guys just want to go into why you think the WNBA has taken that role and has taken that lead, and what is it about? those players in that league that has allowed them to be at sort of at the vanguard as, as no name said of, of uh, social justice in sports. You know, it, it's hard for me to speak for women when I'm not a woman and I haven't had the same experiences, but I think you kind of alluded to it with no name and not to get too into the, the, the simmering beef, whatever with between her and J Cole, but no name was so angry because of, I think, just her background. You know, women and black women have been dealing with uh, prejudice and being looked down upon and being set to the side, basically from the day that they step out of the, of the hospital, you know, where they're carried out, depending on how they come into this world. And I think, you know, it's, it's the same for anybody, right? Like us as black men, we're behind the eight ball, but black women are further behind the eight ball. Uh, women of color are further behind the eight ball, you know? So we have, for the most part, that mentality of one good defense, being able to defend ourselves, stand up for ourselves, and an offense, like being able to step out and say, hey, this is what we deserve. And I think when you see that come up now, I think that has just been part of the part of the DNA for women, part of their experience for so long that they're less unwilling to walk away from, from, from what they do, what they want to do, which is be a professional athlete, you know, in, in terms of like Natasha the cloud and Maya Moore and Imani McGee Stafford, who's going to law school. Another it's more important for them to make change. Um, in, in those in away from the court, away from the field, than it is to um, than it is to play. I, I think this you know this is just my thought, obviously, but I think that background, especially when you're talking about black women in America, you know they've they've dealt with it for so long. You know when Josh, you were talking about the you know the money and the difference between the WNBA and the NBA, it means so much more for those players to say no because. It's just it's it's not as much money, but it's a bigger chunk in terms of what is available to them. Like they don't have the endorsements on the side, 
the, the those guys do. I think um, uh, somebody just came in the league, and that was the first uh, ch- uh, Converse. I think it was. It might have been. I think it was Natasha Cloud who got the first con- uh, Converse yeah. contract for a women's athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's more. There's you know even though it's less in amount, it's like it's a harder. It's a, a higher percentage that they're walking away from, and it's less because they don't have the established presence that the NBA has that other leagues have. By by virtue of you know not being around as much, and by virtue of just you know the sexism that's inherent in the world, so you know it's it's hard. We we keep putting Maya Moore's name up. We got to back up for a second. You know Maya Moore is a name that we put that we talk about now for having stepped away. It's not even because of this. Maya Moore walked away a couple years ago because her faith said we need to get innocent people out of jail that's so much bigger than anything we're talking about even now that it you got to put her on a level above in my estimation because that is not only is that leaving what you were famous for and she was about to get breaded up Maya Moore remember was in that um commercial she was one of one of the Uncle Drew ads with her and Kyrie and Nate Robinson Hmm. Maya Moore was a well-known name in sports she was she was moving outside of the WNBA and she gave up all of that to overturn wrongful convictions. So that's that's outside of the scope of my thinking. Nearly. And it was it wasn't as trending then, like you said when right. she when she yeah. made a decision. It, it was such a surprise it, when she did it. Yeah, it just came out of nowhere. It wasn't like everybody was in this mode of like, you know, we gotta we gotta change society at that point. But like you said, she deserves all the credit in the world for what she's. What she's doing and what she's what she's done and what she's continued to do, so as you know, I I think women just I think I think they just are more willing to to, to put themselves out there. And I don't know. They put you others know, before themselves. <laughs> they they're more. Right, it's like, they're used to putting others before themselves, and to their detriment, even at times. But I also think they're more willing to put themselves on the line, you know, like, you know, players who are going out there every day from all around the world are getting the same shit comments about, you know, who cares about what you're doing? Who cares about the sport? And even now people are like, you know, what is I saw something that was like the WNBA might not play or this player stepping away and cats are posting um, Stephen A. yawning gifts and stuff like that. And the, the importance is, is, is lost on a lot of people, but I, there's more people who are catching on. Like, we're talking about it. Other people who talk sports are talking about it. People who don't talk sports professionally are talking about it. And I, I think that's just my estimation, right? You know, I was I came up with a single mom, and I know she did the world for me just to get where I am. And that wasn't easy for her. She came up, um, she came up through that era of protests and segregation when she was young so i just i just think it's something that is that women have had to deal with in, for generations and so they're more willing to step out front and say hey we know what's right here and we're gonna do what we we're gonna do what we feel man well said man well uh shout out to your, uh you know we, we talk about wnba we 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 can we're willing to defer to chris in a lot of ways he He's covered the league for a while. He's done some great stuff for us on Chicago Sky and the WNBA. And you also have your podcast. Shout out to your podcast real quick that you do. 
Um, I'm trying to bring back What's Good Radio soon. Got to get the, got to get past, you know, the, the darkness, the grayness within me to get that back on. But I'm trying to get What's Good Radio back out there. But shout out James K and myself doing the Skyhook. We just talked to Matt Ellentuck, uh, formerly of SB Nation. That was a great podcast. We'll be recording tomorrow, so that'll be up soon. So follow us. You know, if the season does start, then we'll be covering it. We'll be covering the Chicago Sky. So check it out. The Skyhook at the Skyhookin on Twitter. Yeah, we should get your get your guy on too uh, for a segment in in the future, especially if the if they get their season going in the WNBA. So let's we may do some crossover with the Skyhook and running with War. But uh, yeah, we gonna we gonna wrap up uh, come at this particular segment. There there'll be more on our on our full episode of Running with War coming up. But uh, the stuff like this, you'll be able to see. You can see it on YouTube. And we'll do it. We're gonna do a lot more of this type of stuff going forward, where you'll see us and hear us. But uh, before we go out, Josh, you got some more stuff you want to say? Whatever you want to get off your head. No, for the most part, uh, Chris said all the right things as far as his viewpoint with the WBA. Um, I just think that black men is our duty to support black women, and especially during uh, situations like this. And uh, we haven't always been that way. But for people that like us that are, have the platform to promote women's sports, to promote women activism and things of that sort, I think it's our duty to uh, promote them and support them in any way we can, especially in times like this. So most definitely, uh, I'm, I support the WNBA, I support the WNBA athletes, I support the WNBA social activism, um, all of that, especially from a minority perspective. Um, we just got to keep doing what we're doing, but not so because whether people believe it or not, black women are our biggest supporters. They support almost everything that we do, and it's our duty to make sure to to look out for black women, to protect black women, and support their dreams as well. That's right. All action. So, so at the end of the day, we support the WNBA. We support its, its players and their activists. Their activism in the way they want to protest and display their beliefs. So, most definitely. Yeah, that's right. And. Uh, Good, good note to go out on for this particular segment, but uh, we'll be back soon. Like I said, both on, on YouTube and uh, other social platforms. You can follow We Are Regal Radio, Sound, uh, SoundCloud. You know, it's, it's old stuff on there now, but War on Anchor, a podcast, our current podcast platform. Uh, you can hear us on, uh, that's the, the best way to get at all of our links. Uh, that and WeAreRegalRadio.com. Uh, same same stuff as always, podcast links, fresh writing from gentlemen like you see uh, with me here, Chris and Josh, as well as others. And, uh, yeah, we're just going to keep doing it, man, until we can't do it no more, man, until the until we sell out. You know, we, you, you got to get, get a high price for me, man, to get me to sell out. But I ain't saying it's impossible. But... <laughs> But no, nah, we we just we just doing it, man. We grind it as as always, and we just want to provide the provide a space for people to talk and, and people to uh, you know know that the that they're not alone out here, whatever whatever they're feeling or thinking in regards to these issues. So you know, we 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 gonna give it to you. We gonna try to keep it fun as well, but 
we're going to hit you with some real stuff as always. But, but uh, Running With War coming up, we'll, we'll probably do some more straight ahead talk about the NBA and the WNBA as well, looking at what could possibly how these quarantine basketball games could, uh, could possibly play out, you know, in regards to looking back at the season that that played out, at least with the NBA, the season that's already played out and what it could tell us about uh, these these possible games to come forward. And, um, yeah, there's other stuff, too, talking about hairlines and, you know, that past games. Uh, that's interesting stuff that, you know, if you, if you got anything that you think we should talk about, feel free to comment on YouTube or and anywhere, yeah, anywhere else that you see our stuff where you can do comments. Come. Holler at us and let us know. Follow We Are Real Radio on Twitter. Uh, gentlemen, you can give out your your social tags right now if you like. Follow me on social media at on Twitter at jhicks042 and on Instagram at that guy Josh Hicks. And also be please please subscribe to War on Anchor. We got a lot of stuff going on there, especially with your boys in the Scope Podcast. You got to check that out, man. Yes, sir. We revived that, and it's a lot of we got a lot of good heat coming your way. So definitely gonna look up for that. And Chris, Chris said he gonna do some more stuff, so I'm gonna hold him to it. <laughs> What's really good? What's really it's good? Follow, follow the site. Uh, we are regalradio.com. You can see me there. Um, I'm on Twitter at Quandary Kitten. That's K W A N D A R Y Kitten. And they finally got me, man. I'm on Instagram. Yes, sir. Follow Jake Two and oh, number man, five. He learned how to repost tonight. I swear, <laughs> man. And it was the worst verses of the whole series that I joined Instagram. What's <laughs> about that? He gonna be here about that for a long time. Nelly disappointed us all, man. He let St. Louis down. He really let he really let the Lou down. It's a dirty world, man. It's a dirty world. That's it. That's it, man. Yeah, W-I-K underscore W-R-T. That's work right on Twitter. K-Mean on Instagram. Kyle Means on Facebook. Regal Radio on Facebook. And we are Regal Radio everywhere else. I'm still trying to see. I don't know. For whatever reason, I can't change the name on Facebook. You know, it's such a restrictive space facebook is uh, you know but it is it, you know we got to still you got to deal with it if you if you're a platform like ours you got to deal with it on some level otherwise you know now but uh anyway we'll leave it at that y'all thanks for your support thanks for streaming thanks for listening and uh like i say just uh keep on showing us love we'll show it right back but for now man me josh chris Send y'all the best. Be safe out there. Try to do some good out there if you can for some others. And protect yourself. Protect your neck and your mouth and uh, your nose area. Because that's where that's where the, the, the chronic gets in on you. And then you can't <laughs> <laughs> then your lungs end up looking like crispy bacon. You don't want that, man. You don't want that. We got to get rid of this COVID. And then we could get... Get back to some real stuff out here, man. Get rid of this COVID, too. No COVID, no racism, man. That's what we shouting out here for the rest of 2020, man. But uh, that's it, man. Keep the peace, man. Keep it alive. Keep it, 
Keep it gangster. All right, we out.